Greetings and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com, the podcast program in which we study one chapter of Tanakh in each podcast. My name is Yitzchak Shalom, and I'm privileged to be studying Sefer Eov with you. We are now beginning a new section, the, really the penultimate section of the core of Sefer Eov, and that is chapters 32 through 37, which are the chapters that are associated with Elihu ben Barachel. Uh, who we will meet forthwith. He is the fifth character in, uh, and the final human character to make an appearance, or central character, to make an appearance in Sefer Eov. And this is after Eov finished his words, Tamu Divrei Eov, as we saw at the end of the previous parak, and the disputants had no response for him. Parak Lamed Bet, chapter 32, so these three men, that's Eliphaz, so, uh, Bildad, and Sofar, ceased answering Eov, because in his own eyes he was righteous, or he was innocent, um, and therefore was uh, unworthy of all that had befallen him. And evidently their rising accusations against him uh, were just uh, deflected by him. So this is the first explicit mention that we get of there being any sort of audience to the dispute that went on between, the disputation that went on between Eov and his three colleagues, even though there were allusions in the middle of the disputations, uh, in, in the middle of the speeches, that there was a group there. Here we see explicitly that there was at least one other person standing there, and there seems to be um, many others, as we'll see in his Apologia, which makes up really the bulk of this first chapter. Um, so Elihu, uh, Ben Barachel, these are common biblical names, Habuzi. Now Habuzi is an interesting name because that pits him as part of the family of Buz, and Buz and Utz are brothers uh, from the family of uh, Nahor, back in the end of Breshit Chafbet, and of course Eov is Mi'eretz Utz, so these are presented here as, as uh, somewhat distant cousins perhaps, and, uh, and descendants of, of Terach's family. And Mishpachat Ram becomes somewhat difficult, because if Ram is to be understood as the biblical Ram, he is one of the chieftains of Yehuda, as mentioned in, among other places, in the genealogy at the end of Migilat Rut. Uh, so here, the likely meaning of Mishpachat Ram is Mishpachat Aram, and this is Aramean, uh, and he is angry at Eov, in that he has claimed himself to be more righteous than God. And in his claims, of course, Eov says, I'm righteous and I'm willing to go to trial against God, and God refuses to go to trial against me, which Eov claims is a miscarriage of justice. And he also got angry at the three colleagues, the three disputants of Eov, because they found no response via Eov. Now, depending on how we read Tamami Cry here, it could be read two opposite ways. One would be Alashelo Matsuma Anevayoshiwatiov, meaning that they found no response and um and two uh to Eov's claims of being a tzaddik, and really Eov is a Rasha, or that they found no better response and therefore fell back to calling Eov a Rasha and that that was where their mistake was. But either way, he is frustrated with the fact that these three 
elders, as we will see, have nothing more to say to Eov, and Eov has had the last word. He waited for Eov to finish his speech. They were all elders relative to him. Uh, they were all senior members of this collegium. Now, this is not a second anger. This is now giving the details or the specific the reason for Elihu's anger. Elihu sees that none of the three men have any answer, so he, he becomes angry, and now we're going to hear Elihu's words. And again, this whole the rest of the first chapter is going to be an apologia uh, as to Elihu's readiness to speak in, in the presence of his elders. This is what he said. I am young, and you are old. And Yashish carries with it the sense also of age and wisdom. And therefore I'm crawling, and I'm afraid to express my opinion with you, or express my opinion in your presence. And he's perhaps explaining why he hasn't spoken up till now. And he's also, again, presenting... Uh, a uh, sort of a buffer to what he's about to say. Amarti yamim yedaberu. Amarti, interesting thing about the word amar in Tanakh, and in general in Hebrew, amar always takes a target. You, you speak to somebody, right? But when amarti appears without a target, it really means thought. So amarti yamim yedaberu. I thought that age would speak, meaning that the wisdom of years, yamim here being years, would speak, and the many years would inform with wisdom, meaning I thought you, being my elders, would have something wise to say. And now, so the Amarti Achain pair, which shows up in all sorts of places in, in biblical poetry, uh, indeed means this is what I thought it was, but indeed it's different. Right? Um, sort of like in the Talmud, Savar uh, Lameimar. Uh, and afterwards, Hadar Amar. Afterwards, he said differently. So instead, I find that it is a spirit in man, which means that wisdom is not necessarily something gained with the years, and you could be younger and still have this have the wisdom, uh, the spirit of wisdom. And Nishmat Shaddai literally means the breath of God gives them understanding. So God blew breath into people, and some people got the breath of wisdom, and the fact that they are younger doesn't invalidate them. So this, independently, the phrase would have been interpreted as, not many people are wise. But within the context of the pasuk, so that pat, that half that stick half stick can't be read independently either. You can't say and elders understand because his whole point is that elders don't understand. So therefore, we have to see the low as riding as forward gapping onto the second half of the pasuk, ulos mishpat, which means that the point of this pasuk is to say that years don't necessarily give wisdom. So now lo rabim yachkamu rabim doesn't mean many people, but it means many years, meaning. It is not the case that people who are here for a long time uh, are wise, and that elders understand justice. That's why I said, listen to me, I will also express my opinion. In other words, the only reason I'm willing to speak up is because I realize, listening to you, 
you three, that your years have not given you wisdom, and I understand something that you don't understand, and which also gives me a new understanding, which is that wisdom can be something that a younger person would have over an older person. And then he says, I, I longed for your words. I was listening to your wisdom. Waiting for you to come with clever, profound words. And I was trying to understand you. And nobody is disproving or challenging Eov successfully. None of you is able to respond to his words successfully. Pentomru Matsanu Chokma, and you think that you found wisdom, El Yidfenulo Ish. So perhaps you think that we found wisdom and that God has to deal with him and not a man. In other words, that the that the issue here is beyond man's ability to respond, and so El Yidfenu, God is be the will be the one to respond to him. And that your you continued thought would be that I cannot present the words and and uh, and I cannot be the one to answer him, and now he turns seemingly either to E over to the audience, but no longer talking to the three. They were afraid and they didn't answer anymore. This is sort of describing what happened at the end of of uh, of uh, really of Perak uh, Chavav. Uh, when they no longer had responses, their words have left them. I was longing, and in reality, they didn't speak. They stopped, and they had no more answer. So he's justifying why he's able to speak up, again, in the presence of his elders. So I will say my part this is a phrase he's used already I will express my opinion also myself now notice I am filled with words the others are filled with years I am filled with words and now he says something which is a little odd because we, he, the, the anger that we, we were told about at the beginning of the parak seems to be righteous anger on behalf of God whose name has been, has been uh, challenged and his reputation has been defamed here and nobody has defended him and he's speaking up on behalf of God and now he makes it a personal thing. My, my inside is hurting me because I have all these words to say and i got to get them out. My stomach has, is like wine that has not been yet been opened, whether it's in a barrel or in some sort of a, a canister, and it's filled with, with sort of a bubbling kind of uh, sense, and it's, and it's ready to explode. Uh, means uh, wineskins. So new wineskins, the, the wine is pushing against them, and that the, that the opening will pop open. That's how I feel. Adabra vachli. So I'll speak, and then I'll feel more comfortable. Eftach svatai I'm going to open my lips, and I'm going to respond. So his response starts, as the, the introduction to his response, starts with anger, starts with grave disappointment in the three friends. 
Notice he hasn't yet spoken to Eov about Eov's words, but he's disappointed with the three disputants and how their wisdom in years hasn't helped them, and that they're sloughing things off and saying, let God answer him is not the appropriate response. And then he turns and says, but I'm so filled with words that I have to express that it's painful to keep them in. I'm going to open up now. And I will not favor anybody. I will not show honor and respect just to, to somebody else untoward. I will not change my words because of a person. I don't know how to do that. And God himself will carry me. The one who created me will carry me. This is his, the end of his apologia because he knows he's going to say harsh things to all four of them. And they are elders, and this is evidently in the presence of others, and it could be frustrating, but he says, I have to speak the truth, and I'm not going to show any favoritism or any flattery. And in the next parak, we will hear Lihu's actual words begin as he responds to the silence of the three friends. Okay, we'll pick it up in Paraklam and Gimel on the next podcast. We everybody should have a wonderful day.